Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. If the job of the musicians is to take the breath away from the preacher, then your two musicians this morning have done a very fine job. Haley and Carissa, thank you. Thank you so much. Unreal. I'm not sure there's much more to say. You've heard of Elijah and Elisha. You know what God's plan entails and how detailed it can be. You, you've heard the word of the Lord from Galatians, which love is patient, or uh, the fruits of the Spirit are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, and self-control. And you've heard the word of Jesus saying, anyone who is going to follow me, don't look over your shoulder, just keep plowing straight ahead. I'm not sure I have any more to add there. Maybe a little bit of context. This last week was kind of an intense week. We started out Monday here with Vacation Bible School, and it was just fantastic. We'd worked and worked and worked and worked, and we thought we had everything together, and, and Monday we learned that we got, a ways, we got a ways to go. We're used to having these big events and lots of people and all of this stuff, and, and when we had an extra hundred kids show up on Monday morning, we had to pivot pretty quickly. I was so pleased and so happy with the volunteers and the staff who met on Monday afternoon and said, if we do this, this is great, this is going to help, this is going to help, we can do this, that, this, that. And every day of the week, Vacation Bible School got stronger. First things first, thank you so much for the support, the leadership, the services, and the sacrifice of St. John's for having such a marvelous event that reached so many people. Over 700 children over 250 volunteers. So pleased that we're able to, to, to get that big heart of ministry and those big scale events, to get those moving and shaking again and to handle them well. It feels like our engine is moving, moving very well. I wanted to make sure today also that if you came today thinking that I was going to take a victory lap on the Supreme Court decision that came down on Friday, then whether you're here this morning or online, you're going to be sorely disappointed, maybe in me, and if that's true, I'm sure I'll hear about it on email rather quickly today. But we who live in California have a long way to go. And I'll address that issue when I've thought it all the way through. I do know that being pro-life and what that means makes a difference in how we address issues of life in people who are in the toughest of circumstances. Before I left on a short vacation, Pastor Trevor reminded me that last weekend on Saturday, we welcomed over 150 people from foster care in Orange County to our campus. I think the Lord has called us to a ministry that is making an enormous difference and I'd like to be able to think a little bit more clearly about what it means to be pro-life in California and what it means to preserve and nurture and engender a culture of life in our own neighborhood here in Orange. This morning we begin a new sermon series, and I love that. We get to talk a little bit about good Dr. Luke. The lessons are so practical, they kind of, sermons kind of write themselves, and maybe that's the best way it should be for the, for the summer 
Even 2,000 years after the writing, the lessons and the words and the, the, the interactions with people, the parables of Jesus, they all just speak to right where we're at here and now. The issue of priorities and how we organize and order our lives. The issues of who's our neighbor. The issues of how do we get along and how do we pray and how do we think and frame our lives. And how do we relate to one another in the real world? And even more, how do we find strength to live out our lives day in and day out? Luke wrote simply to give an orderly account of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. His language is fantastic. I remember being a Greek student and they said, well, if you can pass Luke, you can pass anything. And they were right. Luke writes like a doctor. It's precise. The words are big and the sentences are complicated. But he wants to make sure that everything is organized and put together well so that 2,000 and some years later that the people who study and learn and hear the gospel through Luke's writing see the grace of God and the fact that God's grace isn't just for a few but it's for the world. Christ for all humanity. And so Luke has the parables and the stories that the get-your-hands-dirty pieces of the gospel. He tells stories not just about men and Jewish people, but about women who are close to Jesus as he executes his ministry, and Samaritans and, and people coming around from all different ethnic backgrounds. And Luke has a special place for the poor, not just for the poor in spirit, but for the economically downtrodden. In our, in our text this morning from Luke chapter 9, verses 51 to 62, and then I invite you to take just a moment to turn to that in your, in your bulletin, because we're going to read a portion of that together. If you'd just do me the favor of, of opening your bulletin, and then think a little bit about yourself and the people you know. I got a buddy whose life, I swear, is not scripted in any way, shape, or form. I think he wakes up every morning and says, Lord, what are we going to do today? I don't think he has a calendar. I know he doesn't keep a calendar. I think he wakes up, has coffee, hangs out, and sees where the wind is going to blow. And I think that's kind of cool, except when I have breakfast with him. Because I got to text him the night before and say, you know what? We're having breakfast here and there, and we're going, and I'll meet you there at 7 o'clock. Okay, pastor, I'll be there. It'll be great. And then the morning at 6.45, I'll text him and say, okay, are you on your way? We're good to go. And typically, he'll either do one of two things. Oh, crud, I knew that I was forgetting something. Or I'm on my way. Or even better, I'm here. Yeah, there's just no telling. He doesn't seem to have problems getting the things done. He, he does have a tough time being on time. But somehow it works for him. I just think he kind of keeps the temperature low and he's easy to be with. But he's very difficult to have him lead a group because he drives everybody who needs to have a list crazy. I'm a guy who has a list. Every morning, every morning, every Monday morning, I make a list and I check the things off. This last week, I said, pick up wife, go to Santa Inez, drink wine, check, check, check. It was fantastic. Check in on vacation Bible school, make sure everything's good. Make sure Micah's doing fine. Everything's cool. Check, check, check. 
So when I got up here this morning, it said, preach Sunday. I'm like, oh, okay, that's cool. Check, check, check. Teaching church, check. It just works that way. And I know that for the most part, if I forget something, it's, it's in a very narrow band. If it, and I plan a little bit of adaptability in it too. There's got to be some flexibility and adaptability but I have a pretty good idea when I wake up and hit the road what the first thing's going to be and then how to engage from there. I'm a list guy. It works for me. And there's something marvelous about taking my purple pen and just Xing out those things. Sometimes I will put, make your list. And when I X that off on Monday at 1030, God is good. How do you set the priorities of your week, of your day, of your moment? Each one of you do that. You did that this morning. You set a priority. You said, we're going to get to worship this morning. It's important. It's the first day of the week. It's Sunday. And you hear the good news of Jesus. We're going to hear Haley and Carissa. Klinkenberg's going to drone on. It'll be great this morning. But our text calls us to think a little bit wider than the day, the moment, and the season. Upon what do you prioritize your entire life? How do you make sense and order your life in a way that's congruent with the word and the promise of God? What's first? What's, what's first? When you consider the things and you're laying in your bed and you're saying, wait a minute, what's, what's first? What's the first thought that comes into your mind? What is the one value that drives all your thinking, all your speaking, all your behaving and what is that value upon which your entire life is built? Sometimes we live in a, but I need to first world. I need to do this first. I'd invite you to read with me from our text from Luke chapter 9, beginning at verse 57 and reading through 62. Um, think of those words when you read them, but first I need Let's read together. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Reading that, it shouldn't be too amazing that Jesus' crowds start getting smaller and smaller and smaller because he sounds so harsh. All the guy wanted to do was go back and say farewell to his parents. All the guy wanted to do was have a funeral. Put Jesus first. The focus of this text is the priority of faith in Jesus Christ. Our connection to Jesus is our first priority. It's not saying farewell. It's not even family, which is difficult to say. But there's one primary peace. One. One. And that is faith in Jesus Christ. 
In verse 51, Jesus says he's on his way to Jerusalem. Crowds are huge. They're big. Jesus is a, is, is a big thing now. The dust from the entourage, you can see the people coming as he comes down the road. But the crowds are going to retreat. As he gets closer and closer to Jerusalem, closer and closer to the cross, nearer and nearer to his redemptive moment, we see through Luke's gospel this incredible focus. Jesus not moving too far to the left or too far to the right, but Jesus focused on redemption. His focus on our salvation. His heart filled with great love for his people. His great sacrifice in calling us all to follow him. So in following Jesus, we see the world in a different way because faith in Jesus Christ is primary. It's first. Now, how does that work? What what does that look like? I love that story of Elijah, Elisha and all that. For people who, who say God has a plan, I love that. If God ever articulates his plan with that kind of clarity for you, you're in deep trouble because he very seldom does that. But when he does, it's a beautiful thing to see and a marvelous hook upon which to hang the events and the behaviors of our lives. He's so detailed with Elijah. This guy, this guy, here, there, go get him, you got this. (laughs) And it lays out just as Elijah, who's sniveling and upset at the moment, right? Elijah's comment is, Lord, they killed everybody else. I'm the only one left. Now they're going to kill me too. And God says, no way. I'm first, Elijah. I've got something going on that's bigger than you. And here's how this looks. Here's how the plan works. When faith in Jesus Christ and the gospel of our redemption embodied in the incarnate Jesus, when we filter family and relations through that, it's kind of cool. You see, for some family, for some people, family is a list of tasks. I've got my list. Do the yard, keep the pond, feed the fish, beat the dog, uh, beat the dog, pet the dog, love the dog. All of those things, right? How beautiful that is. And some people, they live in the, in the softness of the moment, and they're adaptable in that. And God bless you. However you choose to order your family, do it on the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ. For there's a platform upon which our relationships and our lives are built. Family are those who are entrusted to us by God, who have been redeemed in the blood of of Jesus. Not so many little tasks, not so many little liabilities, but the people to whom God has, the people that God has entrusted to us who've been redeemed in the blood of Jesus. So serving and living in family, some days are really easy, some days are simple and nice and beautiful. Some days are days of vacation that are chilled out and relaxed and and wonderful. And some days are very, very difficult. Time of illness, a time of losing a job, a time of of pain and, and, and fraying of family relationships. It's then that we figure out what the foundation of our family and our relationships are. And it's just a matter of tasks or just a matter of bumping along, then we're in deep trouble 
The resources aren't there to reach back and say, but... But when our lives and the lives of those we love are built on the foundation of faith in Jesus Christ, we have the faith to engage and finish tough days because our identity in our family is found in Jesus. The source of our love, the source of our connectedness together, the source of the ability to reconcile and to live together gracefully. That's kind of how that works. That's how you think, think through it. How do we consider job and, and work? Some live to work. They work and making a living is the most important thing. The two best days of their month are the 15th and the end of the month because that's the day where you cash out. Others work to live. And work is providing an income that helps them keep up with their responsibilities. One on the far side can be a workaholic who finds all their meaning and all their value in the tasks that they do. And the other can just kind of bump along from thing to thing, ant and grasshopper type stuff. But what if we look, looked at work and the industrious nature of our lives through the lens of Jesus and found a renewed sense of satisfaction in our work? We work and make a living, but even more, in making a living, God calls us to have a life, a life that supports those that we love a life that fills our hearts and provides meaning in the work of our brains and our hearts and our hands and our feet and our backs. And in our own unique way, God helps us make people's lives better. Overall, that's how it works. First things first. Follow Jesus. And that last little piece is fantastic, isn't it? I don't know how many of you have walked through or, or been in a, a, a newly plowed field, but usually a young man who's given the, the responsibility of driving the tractor, usually that, that guy gets two or three shots at it, and if he plows under the corn or plows under the beans, there's a, there, there's a big issue. The secret to plowing straight is looking straight and going all the way down the road. My brother-in-law can do it with the GPS on his tractor just with one finger. It's amazing. Don't look back. Don't put your hand to the plow and then say, but something better may be coming along. Rather, look front-facing because your back is covered by the cross. Your past is reckoned. Your future is bright. Your heart is hopeful. And Jesus, Jesus, follow him first, follow him best, first things first, in the name of Jesus, amen.